That's kind of the heart of our series. We're in this series called Simple. And I say it like this. Christianity, or being a Christ follower, or being a Christian, is one of the most complex, simple things you could ever be a part of. Uh, there's mysteries of God that we'll never know until redemption and, and, you know, until Christ coming back. There's all of these things that we can't even calculate, the mysteries of God. That, so there is definitely this idea of, of just brilliance and all of this about God. But yet, Jesus came and, and did these things that made it very simple. He came and laid things out and made it very plain. And I'm not saying that being a Christ follower is easy in the sense, oh, it's so simple, it's easy, because it is. It's something you take up your cross and you trust God and it requires faith. But the complex thing that we make it sometimes is way more than, than what it really is. I think about like how we complicate prayer or we complicate uh, singing and worship. And uh, we complicate a lot of things, whether through tradition or the way we've been raised. We make things overcomplicated. And so we started this series called Simple. And today I want to talk about this idea of God. It's very simple. This idea is very simple. God is for you. He's just very much for you. It's such a simple idea that God is for you. Uh, you take a look at the creation. So you go back to Genesis and you see that God created the earth and he created us to be in relationship with him. The scripture says in Genesis that uh, God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden and they had this relationship. It was very simple. God was in love with what he created and who, who he put in place. And then, of course, we know there was the fall. And so sin entered and God had to be separated from that. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to die and to cover uh, the sins of man. And so he restored us and redeemed us. And so, again, this huge idea of redemption and salvation comes into play, but it was still very simple in the idea that God emptied the heavenly bank account with his son, Jesus. He gave his most precious thing. Why? Because he's for you and he wants to be in relationship with you. And a lot of times tradition and sometimes religion, if you will, makes it out to be this big angry God who's mad at you and has all these rules because he wants to hold you down. But it's not. It's simple. God is for you. Somebody say amen. And the scripture says that if God is for you, who can be against you? And that should be the most freeing idea in your life. When you're walking, as we sang, out on the water or you're taking these steps with God, it should be the most freeing thing that, hey, God is for me. That's the end of the story. <laughs> it doesn't matter how my background lines up or how this or that or whatever. God is for me and he's calling me into some things that he believes I'm capable of doing. And so we're going to take a look at scripture here, this awesome story uh, of Moses and the burning bush. And it's interesting how you'll find yourself in this story. We all do the same thing Moses does here. And so where we pick up on the story is Moses is out in the wilderness and he's struggling in this place of life. He's had some failures. So he's kind of just out kicking rocks at this point. He's not really sure uh, what he's going to do. Uh, he's disappointed with some things that took place in his life. And so there's this thing of, okay, where am I at? You know, he, he's sort of like feeling like a failure. And so we all know the story. If you don't know the story, I'll catch you up on it. But he's out kicking rocks. He's in the wilderness, a desert place, whatever you would say. And uh, all of a sudden, this bush just catches on fire. So all of a sudden, there's this burning bush moment. He's walking along. He sees this thing catch on fire. And it's burning, but it's not being consumed. So obviously, I'm sure uh, to see like a, a fire in the wilderness or in the desert is probably something they've encountered before. But the way that it wasn't consuming got his attention. So here he is in this place of like, you know, I'm bumming, I'm tripping out. Oh, now all of a sudden there's this thing. 
He's like, this, this big thing is happening. And so for us, we love the idea to think of Moses as this great Bible character. Moses, I'm sure when he saw that shrub burning, he probably responded in great faith, Moses. But actually, you'll, you'll see it freaked him out. It totally freaked him out here. And so we think he'd say something like, behold, the shrubbeth that burneth, you know, like try to really... But he freaked out. He really freaked out like a lot of us would do in that situation. And so um, sometimes I believe God needs to freak us out to get our attention. It's interesting how, you know, God could have very easily sent a prophet along his way or somebody else along his way. But it's easy for us in life to sort of ignore or to cast out or to disregard uh, some of those things in our lives at times. You know, so he'll send someone to speak into our life and we ignore it. Sometimes, and I know you all relate to this because you laughed at it, but sometimes we just need a freak out moment from God where, boy, that thing's weird. I don't understand that thing, but it has my attention. God is in it. Something is in that. And I think that's why it's good that we press in a little bit more in worship. That's why I think it's good that we step out of our comfort zones and serve our community. That's why I think it's good that we do things that sort of keep us on the edge of a little bit of freak out. I'm not comfortable with this. I think it's good to live that way because God lives in that. Amen? And so, so that's Moses. So this thing is burning and it's not being consumed and he's having not this big, great Moses Bible story response to it. He's going, oh my gosh, what's going on? And so we pick it up in, in Exodus chapter three, verse eight. And so I have a lot of text for you, but we'll, we'll stop in the middle of it all and we'll pick up where we're at in it. So Exodus chapter three, verse eight, it says, I have come down. This is God speaking to Moses at this moment saying, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, speaking of Moses' people. Uh, I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land into the land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I, and I have also seen the oppression from which the Egyptians oppressed them. And so God's responding to Moses' cry. His people are oppressed by the Egyptians. They're bound. They're, you know, they're in this whole season. And so right now to Moses, God is responding saying, I've seen their cry. I see what they're going through. I understand. And so at this point in the story, Moses is going, yes, God is going to go set the people free. God is going to come down and show up and he's going to do this and he's going to redeem and he's going to set them free. And so he's all for what God is saying here. But then in verse 10, it says, Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So he's all for it at this point. Yes, God is here. He's on the scene. He's going to provide. And then God says, but I'm going to use you. And we'll watch Moses go, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. And isn't that interesting for us when we say, hey, God is going to do this thing and he's going to move and he's going to impact our community and he's going to change families' lives and he's going to make this place better. And we're all like, yeah, God, get him. And then God says, I'm going to use you to do that in your community, in your workplace. We go, whoa, you had me until it was me. Like that was, I was good with you until you asked me. And I think it's interesting that we're like, like we're programmed or our natural instinct is to say, yeah, go get them, church. You do it, church. You do it, pastor. You do it, board and worship team. You go make a difference. I believe in that. But God's call is always you. Where, where are you in this story? Where are you making a difference and making an impact? God always calls us. And uh, 
Again, we think Moses' response at this point would be, here I am, Lord, send me. I'll be your hands and feet. Uh, But you can see here, and uh, we'll look at four excuses. Moses responds with excuses. And I know we don't make excuses in life, so this won't relate to you at all. But um, he has some excuses. In verse 11, he says, but Moses says to God, who am I that I should go? But who am I that I'm qualified or capable to do this. I know none of us have that thought ever, so we'll just put this one aside. Let me get through it. But none of us ever question ourselves if we're worthy for God to use us. But think about that. We do, obviously. Uh, What a response. We respond the same way as Moses. So he says, hey, I'm going to use you. And so what he says, and then his response is, but who am I that I should go? I'm a nobody. God only uses the smart people or the talented people or the people with a good background. But God, you don't understand. I failed a few times. Moses is saying, but you don't understand. Did you check my track record? Don't you understand? I've done some pretty stupid things. (laughs) Did you not notice when I was in college? (laughs) Were you not paying attention? You know, he's saying, hey, you know, you don't understand. I have this thing. What I love about God in verse 12, God doesn't even argue with him. So Moses is like, who am I? I'm a nobody. You don't understand. And God's response in verse 12, he says, I will certainly be with you. So he doesn't even argue, oh, yeah, you're a nobody. You've messed some things up, that's for sure. He doesn't even clean that part up. He just says, that's right, that, that, that's where you've been, that's who you are, but you know what? I'm with you, I'm with you. My encouragement to you is this, the same thing that God said to Moses, is anytime God's calling you into something, anytime God's pushing you or nudging you or, or you feel that unction of God is taking you to the next thing and, and you're being faithful and you say, God, uh, who am I that I could do this? Who am I that I could serve in kids' ministry or play in the, in the worship band or whatever? Any of those times you're like, well, who am I? God's response is the same. I'm with you when you do that. We're going to work it all out. We're going to, we're going to, you know, once you get in and trust God, there's a beautiful uh, thing that happens in your life. The past is the past. There's a reason it's back there. Uh, somebody say amen. It's the same thing uh, in, our, in our life. We say, but God, who am I? I'm not cap- capable to, to raise the kids godly. I'm not capable to, 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 to get out of debt and, and, and put life in order to where I can put, uh, you know, the... the my tithe first and put my resources first in the hands of God. I'm not in a position that, that I can do that. And God says, but I'm with you. You can raise the kids. You can better your community. You can, you can, oh, but our marriage is so hard. It's been broken for so many years. We've been faking it. It's been rough, but that's fine. You know what? God is with you and he can do it. Somebody say amen. And so don't let, let God's response be the same to you. God, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how God's with you. And that's all that matters because if God is for you, who can be against you? God isn't looking for extraordinary people. It's such a, we always put everything on a pedestal in in church and in ministry and in the things that God calls us to. Well, if I can just get to that, if only I can just get to that, if I can be a little more extraordinary in the things of God, if I could pray more and study more and get to that, God isn't looking for extraordinary people. He's looking for ordinary people to trust an extraordinary God. The extraordinary is up to God, not up to you, amen? And so that's such a lie that we believe is just, oh, I got to get to that and then I can. If I just do more of that, then all this. And it's just not the case. Jesus, as he walked and chose his disciples, he says to a tax collector, hey, come follow me. He didn't have it worked out. (laughs) They worked it out along the way. That's how we live. We work it out along the way in our relationship with God. That we're always in a process. The scripture says we go from glory to glory. We're always evolving with God. And obviously there's issues we have to deal with. 
uh, that, that sometimes limit you when they're serious things. We have to put them in place. But uh, God is with you. He's not looking for you to be extraordinary. He's looking for you to trust that he's extraordinary. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So his second excuse to, back to God was, What shall I say? I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say. I don't have something to say. Um, I love it. For me, there's so many times and encounters and things where even as the pastor, you don't have something to say. There's either a tragedy that you just don't have a good answer to, or there's things that right now, the whole ISIS, ISIS thing taking place, I don't have something to say about that other than I believe God is good. I can't explain why everything takes place. I don't understand all that, but I believe that God is good and somewhere and somehow he's, he's there and he's in it and he understands. But not every time you have the perfect answer, not every time you have the most laid out. There's just things that we can't explain, but I can explain that I believe God is good to us and good to me. And, uh, and sometimes that's enough. Amen. And so his response there was, uh, I don't know what to say. And my encouragement to you is that's going to be a place that the enemy really gets you. God's kind of nudging you and he's leading you in your workplace to go connect with somebody. Maybe invite somebody here. Maybe someone's going through a tough time and you say, man, I really got to get them connected, the positive people here. And, and, and you're going to say, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to ask them. I don't know what to say. Uh, you have to just go with God and believe that he's with you. Like we'll see here, he'll give you the words to say in verse 14. And God said back to Moses, I am who I am. And then he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the I am has sent me to you. And so the response here is this. uh, You go make the effort. You go make the steps and God will show up. The I am will make his presence known. A lot of times it's just you putting yourself in the right position and all of a sudden the atmosphere changes. So you may be, let's say your workplace, you're walking in to make that connection with somebody who's struggling and, and you know you need to invite them or pray with them or something. You're walking in there just dreading, like, oh my gosh, I don't know how this is going to go. All of a sudden you get to that person, you get in that room, the atmosphere totally changes. And all of a sudden you feel encouraged, you feel equipped to do it, you feel totally ready. Why? Because God was already in that place. The I am was there taking care of his side of business. Amen? So don't be like Moses and say, I don't know what to say. I can't do it. I can't do it because I don't know what to say. Trust that I am is the one leading you. Number three uh, excuse was what if they don't believe? What if they don't believe? We jump over to Exodus chapter four, verse one. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Uh, And then in verse two, Check this out. So I'll get to this in just a second. So he says, but suppose that they don't believe me. We'll just go into verse two. So they say, hey, they're not going to believe me. Suppose they say that I'm lying. That, that's, so how am I going to prove to them that you showed up to me? I'm not going to like carry the burning bush with me. That's on fire. Like, how am I going to show them this? And he says this in verse two. So the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. So he has like an old, like we've seen in scripture. He's just got a walking stick. So he's got this rod. And in verse three, God said, cast it to the ground So he cast it to the ground and it became a serpent or a snake. And Moses fled from it because Moses was smart. I would have done the same thing. (laughs) Verse four, then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became the staff in his hand. Uh, I love this picture here. 
So the good Jewish thinking mind in Jesus' time always looked at everything in picture. So when something like this would happen, it wouldn't be about a stick turning into a snake and then going back into a rod. Like, oh, that was cool. What does it mean? Like, what does this all mean? Why did I pick it up by the tail? Why did it go from this to this? And so if they look at it in deep, I believe what it's saying is this. He says, how are they going to believe? And God says this. Watch this. You throw down the stick and it turns into a snake, and then you pick it up by the tail, I believe what God's saying here is, you let me handle the supernatural side of it. You just be willing to be used to do your part, and I'll do the supernatural side of it. You say, oh, supernatural, what are you talking about, ghosts? I'm talking about where God shows up and does the miracle stuff. Because I believe the word says that the New Testament way that we're called to live has signs and wonders meaning signs that God still exists and is alive and cares about us. We're saying, I don't know how I made it through that. It was a miracle. That's a sign. And then a wonder is when you just go, I just can't believe that that I'm just, it's just a wonder that God showed up in my life. I don't know how we made it through that. I don't know how that marriage was restored. I don't know how we got out of that situation. It's like a wonder to me that God did that. Those are signs and wonders that we can live in in this day. Amen. So he cast it to the ground. And I love this. He said, Pick it up by the tail. What was the tail? The tail was the little end. I believe God was saying, you let me handle the big end. You handle the little end. I'll take care of the big end. You just start with one small step and I'll take care of the big step. Amen. God always calls you to just take that one step, that one little step. You just, you just take the tail of a situation and God will handle the big side of it. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't, well, just grab the tail. Just grab the small part. Just, just take one little step, and God will, God will take care of the big end. Amen? You guys are quiet this morning. Are you with me? So I believe God is saying he can handle the big end. If, you, if you're willing to trust him, just, just grabbing the tail. Just making an effort. Verse 10. But then Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before, you, before or after you have spoken to me. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So his excuse was, I'm slow of speech, slow of tongue. He's making an excuse for how he was created or how he was made or who he is. And uh, a lot of us may not have that situation in speaking, but a lot of us can say this, but God, uh, I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm too short. I'm too fat. I'm too this. I'm too that. And we make all of these excuses about who we are. And think of the offense to God, and we'll see it here in the minute. His response to him is in verse 11, So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Response is this, You're saying that you're not good enough, and I created you. And so our response a lot of times is, God, I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable enough. My body doesn't have da 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 God's response is, who, who made you? I know what you're capable of. I know what you're able to do. And so our excuse, I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough. No, God created you and made you. And the scripture said he has a plan for you. And we have to trust that. Amen. When you look at God and say, I'm not good enough. It's like saying, hey, you didn't create me good enough. Uh, David Bremer is this incredible public speaker. And I watched this video. I can't remember if it was a TED Talk or what it was, but um, it's this video. And so he has cerebral palsy. And, and, and I'm not going to make fun of the situation, but I want you to understand, like, just the impact of what he does. So he's a public speaker. He travels all across the country uh, giving public motivational speaking. And what's incredible about his thing is he has cerebral palsy. So they wheel him out, and he comes out to the front of the thing, 
and, and he has cerebral palsy, so his speech, I have cerebral palsy, he can barely talk. I have cerebral palsy, he opens the talk with, I have cerebral palsy, what's your excuse? And he's a public speaker, and he has cerebral palsy. And it's like, hey, turn off the lights, let's just go home. He said enough, you know what I mean? Like, it's just this mind, you're, just, you're like, what's gonna, it's just mind-blowing when he comes out and he gives this thought. And uh, I love this in verse 13, but he said, Oh, my Lord, this is his response after all of this. God says, who made you? In verse 13, one more time, he tries to get out of it. So Moses says back, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So translation is, God, please send anybody else but me. I'm not comfortable. I don't want to do it. Please send anybody other than me. And then in verse 14, it's one of the few times you read in text about God being angry. In verse 14, it says, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. Uh, one of the few times you hear of like personal anger, God against somebody, because he continued to offer excuses of why he wasn't good enough. Why was that offensive to God? Why did that rattle God so much? Because God is for you. He's for you, he's for you, and he's with you. Every time we make an excuse, every time we have a reason, every time we say, I can't do it, I can't, the, God, a bit of him I just believe is like, what are you doing? And I don't think the anger was like, Oh, you're the worst. You're not following me, the dictator God. I believe it came from a place of anger of like, oh, why don't you get it? You can do it. Like, you can do it. I don't, why aren't you getting this? I'm for you. You can do it. Somebody say amen. DJ, why don't we close with this? So I thought about this. In his time, Moses, and, and uh, one thing we saw when, when God would provide and he sent manna, uh, there was this whole season where they were supernaturally fed through manna. But here's the thing with the manna. It was their food for them, obviously. But whenever they would try to store it, so it was God's supernatural provision for their life. So it was, their God's, it was God's way of taking care of and providing for and blessing his people. But any time they tried to store that or keep it or hold it back for themselves when God would send it, Scripture said it would go bad, actually turn like maggot-filled, Okay. So gross. Uh, because why? Because anytime God gives you blessing or equips you or empowers you or shows up in your life with the burning bush or the whatever, it's not for you to hold that thing. It's for you to give that thing away. And so in our lives, when we live like this, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to go set those people free. I don't need to go over there and help those people. I don't need to, I've got enough blessing. I've got a house. I got a couple cars. I got a couple kids. I got, I got this or I got this going for me. I got this thing. I'm good. That's where I believe some of the discontent and some of the frustration that we see in America where people are just oh, not happy. They have everything they want, but they're not happy. They're just, oh, they're just not satisfied. Why? Because they're, they're holding on to that provision that God has actually equipped them to give away not to fully give away and we should all live poor, but, but to share. We're blessed to be a blessing and to give away. And so uh, I believe that here is that like the pain and the frustration and some of the torture and some of the, the stuff that we're seeing even in our country, all this fighting over this, this, and this, it's because we've become so iPod, iPad, I everything, so introverted that we just make everything into this big thing. Why? Because it's about I, I. We make up all these little battles just so that we can feel like we're in the, but it's not the way God called us to live. God called us to, to give and bless and not hoard and store. And, uh, and that was the call here for Moses was, 
was get out and lead the people and don't worry about your excuses. God is for you. Amen. Uh, I love this. He said, I've heard the cry. I've heard the cry of a tormented people. I've heard the cry of their, I believe God is saying the same thing to us this morning. I've heard the cry of the nations. I've heard the cry of your country. Now the same thing he said to Moses. Now you go, all of you go, go. <laughs> so, oh, what does that mean? Me go, be a pastor? No, it means connect, serve, be, be a part of what God's doing in our community. As we talk about what we're gonna do with the rescue mission, as we talk about serving here at the church or anything even outside of here, get involved with something. There's all kinds of great programs here at City on a Hill. We're called to go and, and trust God and lay these excuses down because it's like he said here, I'm with you and I made you and I know what you're capable of and I emptied heaven to be with you, to be alongside you, you're able, amen? I love this thought. Is the way that you're living worth Jesus dying for? So all that Jesus came and did, all that he did and tied on the cross and all that he provided for us, is the way that we're accessing that and trusting God with that, is that worth him dying on the cross for? Or is there more that we can connect to? Somebody say amen. God isn't looking for ability. He's looking for availability. Sometimes we make it about our ability and our talents and what we have to get to. God is just looking for the willing vessel to be used and to be, as we said, hands and feet. Not this great Bible answer of thus saith the burning bush. I know know someone who can say to God, I don't feel like I have this, this, and this, but I trust that you're with me. God can handle the little, the big end if we just believe him with the little end. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to do something here before we leave. If you're in here this morning and you say, man, Pastor Josh, I've never, I've met, never had the idea of following God or trusting him with my life. And I feel like today God is opening my eyes or maybe he spoke to your heart, whether through the music or through our talk today, but the scripture or whatever it is, you just feel like, man, there's, there is something more for me, but maybe you've never made a commitment for Christ. Maybe you've never choose to make him Lord and Savior of your life. If that's you this morning, uh, we believe that you can do that right here this morning. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Some people kind of call it a confession of faith. We just believe that the scripture says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, the scripture says, uh, you shall be saved. What does that mean? It means that you're getting your heart right. You're choosing God as your Lord and Savior. You're becoming a Christ follower, a Christian, someone who lives according to the word of God. Now you mess up and we miss it. Yeah, that's, we all do. But it's saying, God, we're making you Lord of my life and I'm gonna live the rest of my days following you. And so if you're in here this morning, we're not gonna embarrass you or have you come forward or do anything like that. All I'm gonna ask is when I count to three, you just raise your hand up. We'll all pray together at one time. Again, you won't leave your seat. You won't be singled out. We won't try to put you in a class or anything like that. We just want to make that commitment with you because we believe, as Jesus said, he's come to give us life and give it to us better. And a huge start with that is that prayer. So if that's you and nobody looking around, again, not going to single you out, but if that's you, on three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. See that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Cool. Well, let's do this. Let's all pray together. Let's say this. Let's say, God, Today, 
I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to follow you. Help me every day to trust and believe that you're for me and nothing can be against me. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you all say amen? Clap your hands for that real good. So if you prayed that prayer, you can uh, fill out on the back of your information card. There's a spot that said, I made a commitment for Christ or a recommitment. If you fill that out, you can leave it in your seat or drop it off at the coffee bar or information bar. Again, we're not going to try to put you in a class or do anything like that or, or call you or stalk you or anything like that. We just want to be praying for you. But there's also a box that you can check on there that says, I'd like a call from a pastor and uh, I'll call you and we'll connect. And uh, any way that we can be for you or praying with you, uh, we'd love to do that this week with you. So also want to encourage the rest of you before we, before we leave, I want to pray one more time. If you're here this morning and this connects with you, uh, even as I was <clears throat> sort of laying this out this week, um, even as we worshiped, I was thinking these thoughts. The scripture says we go from glory to glory. You're just always advancing. You're always growing in God. And I think every time you, you look at that next pedestal, if you will, that next step up, these excuses are always like written on the front of it. You know, what would I say? What can I do? I'm not good enough. I'm not. Uh, but I just want to pray for you, all of us together, that we just, we just erase these excuses. We just trust that God's got the big end. We're going to take a step towards the little end and um, that he can do the supernatural. He can do more that we could ask, think, or imagine. So whether it be in your work or your school or in your family or whatever it is that you're trusting God, let's believe that, that he can eliminate those excuses from our minds and from our psyche and that we can walk in a new level of faith. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you that you emptied heaven. Lord, you sent your best, Lord, so you could redeem and restore and be in relationship with us. God, we know like Moses, uh, we offer excuses and we offer the reasons why we can't, uh, Lord. But we leave here today saying, we wanna trust you. We wanna take hold of the little end so you can handle the big end. We wanna live in a way that your super shows up in our natural world. And, and we believe that lives can be changed and people can be better, Lord, in our jobs, in our families, in our finances, whatever it is, we want it all to be unto your glory and to better our communities and to better our world. And so, Lord, we just, we give our hearts and our minds and our psyche over to you and we say, lead us in faith. Encourage our hearts to take steps of boldness this week. We believe that you'll do big things as we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.